0: show, but uh, no, our guest today is Will Lusheen, uh, former Marine, he's a uh, BJJ instructor, grappling instructor, MMA fighter, all around awesome dude, so this is a great conversation, this is a great show, I know you're going to like it, uh, we really try hard to to bring you guys guests that uh, we know you're going to like, and Will is no exception, uh, awesome show, so please uh, please check it out and leave us feedback, leave us a, a rating and review, let us know what you think, Send us your feedback on our uh, social media. We really appreciate it because we're making the show for you guys. We're making the show for the listener. So we want to uh, give you a good product. We want to make sure that you guys are entertained and uh, hopefully learn something. And as always, we have to thank our sponsors. Our main sponsor for Season 2 is Modus Nation. So please check them out, modusnation.com. They have awesome apparel, awesome gear. I know you won't be disappointed. I know you need some shirts. Go buy a couple shirts for yourself. I know your family probably needs some shirts, so go buy some gifts. Christmas is going to be here in a couple months. You can never shop early enough because you know you're going to wait till the last minute. So please check them out. Buy some stuff. Support them because they are definitely supporting the community. Not only the military community, but also the, the local community as well. So they are really giving a lot of their time and resources to people in need. So they definitely deserve everyone's support. So please check out Modusnation.com. Just buy something. Even if you don't need it, just go buy it because they definitely deserve it and they, they need your support. And it's well worth it. It's good gear. I know you love it. And then also, i like to talk about some of our other guests we've had on the show because they have definitely helped us out in uh, a lot of ways. Obviously, Winfield Watch. Awesome dude, Mark Miller. Get yourself a watch. You can't ever go wrong having an extra nice uh, field watch in your collection. Uh, buy your buy dad a gift. I know he'll like it. Uh, or your mom, she'll love it too. Nope, <laughs> no issue there. We don't discriminate. But uh, check out Winfield Watch. Uh, they make some awesome stuff. Uh, Grind Ops Coffee. Another one I have to mention, Aaron is really kicking ass over there, doing an awesome job roasting coffee. He's another one that's given a lot back to the community, doing a lot with uh, rescuing uh, canines that are coming out of service. So please check him out, GrindOpsCoffee.com, Aaron Meza, awesome dude. And really, honestly, all the guests we've had on the show are very supportive of the community, and they do support the military community, the veteran community, and their local community in, in all different ways. So... I, don't, I can't go through everybody, but please, if you listen to the show, please take the time and support the people that have been on the show. Let them know that you you heard about them, heard about them personally, heard about their company on the show. I know they'll really appreciate it. We really appreciate it. But um, you know, we don't have people on the show that we don't want to talk to or that we don't believe has the best intentions. So we we only put people on the show that have a good story and are genuinely you know, good people. So if they're on the show, we have the utmost faith in them and we know you will too, so please, uh, please, support, please support our guests. I know they'll, they'll really appreciate it. And lastly, if you check out the show notes and also our website, nothinggo.com, you'll notice I put some links up to um, different ways to support the show. Um, your generosity is always appreciated, and any contributions go directly back to the show and help us produce the show and also help to um, get the show to a wider audience and to bring on better guests, so anything you'd like to contribute is uh, very much appreciated. But that being said, it's time to turn it over to myself and Will Lusheen and Ben for another awesome episode of Nothing Owed. Hope you guys enjoy it. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Nothing Owed podcast. As always, you're here with Ben and Brian, and this week we have another awesome guest, uh, Will Lusheen, who surprisingly enough uh, is another Marine. Um, I know we haven't had that many Marines on the show, but uh, I guess we're due for a change. Of course, saying that sarcastically, but uh no, Will's an awesome dude. Uh, we've been chatting for uh, quite a while before the uh, the show started. Uh, he's a uh, retired Marine, like I said, a grappling coach at Grindstone Athletics, and is a BJJ black belt. Um, so he is uh, an awesome dude to talk to about uh, jujitsu um, and some other things. And he's got the he's got a great story. Uh, served in the military, obviously he's deployed a few times. So we're we're glad to have him here. Uh, but before I introduce Will, I'm going to turn it over to Ben, like I like to do, and uh, check in with him, see what's new, and then we'll say how to Will. So, Ben, how you doing? What's new?
1: Nothing new. Good to have you back. I know you spent a little time with your family last week. Well-deserved. Uh, sounds like sounds like the camping trip was a little crazy, like those things can be. Uh, but uh, we're glad to have you back. Um, yeah,
0: that was definitely a, a Murphy's Law trip every uh, <laughs> Every plan fell through, and every backup plan fell through, and that was a uh, definitely a tough one. But I survived. Oh,
1: so no time worries. with the family. Just uh, there's nothing better than that. More important than that. So yeah, Will. I'm excited about Will. We just like you said, we've been talking to him for a minute, and it's uh, man, he's a he's a door kicker. Um, he's got a great story. Uh, athletic guy from the time he was a young guy, and. All the way up till now continues to be athletic. So uh, we're excited to get into this one. It's, um, you know, kind of we've had several of these uh, jujitsu guys on and um, I think, I think, you know, they've talked me into to going and trying it out this week. So that'll be something new on the on the upcoming episodes of the podcast about how I was getting beat up by a, a 15 year old girl. So uh, I'll keep the listeners posted on that but uh, yeah we're excited Will's a good one in fact I can't even make fun of him as a Marine because he was a scout sniper uh, I was a scout in the army uh, you know so I actually went to a, a miniature Marine sniper course uh, in Hawaii at Kaneohe Bay so you know we've probably chewed some of the same dirt so i I let I'll let Will slide on being here. thank you
0: <laughs> Very cool. So with that um will I'll turn it over to you. Let's uh let's hear about your story. I'd like to hear kind of where you grew up where you came from. Uh and, you know, let's hear uh kind of the basics and you know why you listen to the military and then we'll get into the uh, the BJJ stuff. I definitely want to hear about that. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for having me on the show. Um
2: just uh I, I grew up in a, a really really small town in uh Colorado. So Basalt, Colorado. It's right outside of Aspen. And before everybody jumps to the conclusion, I am not rich. My, my grandparents <laughs> bought that land way before it became like this big Hollywood town. So um, we kind of got pushed up Valley because it was so expensive there. Um, there's nothing really to do in, in my small little town. So sports was my outlet. I did every sport you can think of. Um, in high school, I did football, um, baseball, wrestling, and track, and uh, a little bit of basketball until I got kicked off the team. Um, so three seasons, but I was tr- two of the seasons I tried to do double sports until they were like, no, that's it's too much. I was cutting. Wait,
1: weight. wait, wait, wait! You can't just leave that at that. Like, <laughs> why would you get kicked off the team?
2: So we were, we were, in I was in wrestling season and basketball at the same time. Wrestling season was my my sport but uh-huh. all my friends play basketball and that's all we did like outside of wrestling. So I was actually pretty good at basketball. Um they asked me, hey, the boys team practiced at seven thirty and the girls team practiced at five thirty. So my wrestling practice would get done at five thirty and then we jump right in like I would go into uh the basketball practice later. Well we were I was cutting weight for a wrestling tournament on Saturday. We had a Friday night basketball game so i couldn't drink any water that day and i couldn't eat that day because i was getting ready to cut i was cutting weight for the next day and usually i didn't i didn't play that much um but we were just crushing this team so they're like, hey go get in the game so i played a little bit more than i was expecting to play i had zero water in my system and we got a ball and we ran down for a fast break and the next thing i knew i was waking up in the bleachers And (laughs) I I guess I got the ball and just started sprinting up the court and kind of blacked out and landed in the bleachers. So I woke up. and I had no idea what was going on. Um, So they pulled me to the side and they they didn't know what was going on either until I let them know, like, no, I just haven't eaten today and haven't really been drinking water. So they basically said, pick a sport. And I chose to continue wrestling. They're like, all right, you're off the team.
1: Oh, well, that's not a, I thought you were going to say, well, you know, the coach was picking on me and then I knocked him out and put him in an arm bar and huh. tell he submitted. Not quite. Oh, All
2: right. You know, it's all that wrestling cutting weight.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I had a real good friend in high school and he was all, it was so funny. Like when he wasn't in wrestling season, he was a, he was a pig, you know, <laughs> but during wrestling season, this guy was the most like, keto paleo you know i only eat chicken and i drink water with lemon in it and then i drink all this junk right before the you know so i can trim down weight and yep. it was so funny to watch him he was a clown
2: well all my friends were basketball players so we'd go to like a pizza joint for lunch and they'd be like scarfing down pizza and i had like rice cakes or whatever and i was like <laughs> this I, didn't yeah. a- I didn't hang out with the wrestlers more because this is miserable
1: to watch you guys eat Exactly. So now you you got recruited for college football, right? Yep.
2: Yeah. 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 Well, to a, a extremely small school, so I'm not that great or anything. But uh, yeah, uh, our high school we threw the ball a lot, so I got a, a lot of good numbers, and I got recruited um, to a Division two. It was a smaller school, um, and didn't do so great in, in the college football life. So um, I was used to used to being the man, used to being the guy who got the ball and and, put, and played every single down and then I got to college and they kind of put me in check and said <laughs> you're uh you're third string and you're gonna be our scout team offense so I had to not only learn our offense but I had to learn every opposing offense's offense
1: and right.
2: run it against our defense which was not a lot of fun um that and just it, it was like it was a job I, I was an 18 year old I used I was just athletic and i was like okay i can i understood our offense in high school but i didn't study it and i wasn't studying film i wasn't doing any of that and then in college you're expected to like nonstop, and i was not yeah. you know,
1: my you know, son plays college basketball and it, it you know we went through this process as parents and you know they work athletes if you know people don't realize the time some people do but there's a lot of people out there that don't understand the time and effort it takes to become a collegiate athlete and once they do become a collegiate athlete it you haven't arrived like you arrived for like 20 minutes while you sign your scholarship papers and everything else and then when you get there everybody there is just as good as you like you know you went from our son went from being you know the best player on his high school team by far you know one of the top five guys in the state he got to college and and there's 12 top five dudes in the state if not better you know yeah. and it becomes and like you said now you're now you do have to watch your what you're putting in your body you got you know because they're recruiting the next guy so it's like they don't care it, yeah. collegiate collegiate sports is we don't care we don't we don't want to hear about it either you get better or you move we move on
2: so yeah, i mean i got it was even like when i didn't want to wake up and eat breakfast with the 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 team slaughtered breakfast because we got to go to the to the cafeteria before the rest of the student body did. So we got in and out and I was I was at a point where I was like, I don't need like I'm I'm eating so much and I'm not used to that, that I didn't want to go to breakfast. And I would get reprimanded for like, hey, everybody's got to be at breakfast. I don't care. It was, it was it was crazy. And I was like, no, I don't I don't like this. So, <laughs> so I quit and went to the Marine Corps. Went so much better. <laughs> yeah, less rules there, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're, they're they,
1: never telling you what to eat and when to eat and none of that.
2: They don't care when you wake up.
1: No, 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 no. Sleep in.
2: Have <laughs> at it. Yeah, you do what you want. Yeah. You know what you're doing.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> so what, what, year, what year was that when you enlisted?
2: 99.
0: Okay.
2: So enlisted yeah. in 99, um, MCRD uh, San Diego. Okay. And uh, that was it, – it, it wasn't as difficult physically as I thought it was going to be um, just, they hype it up big time, but I was an athlete. So it was kind of, it actually kind of felt like it wasn't hard enough. Cause I was used to just every day, all day. And like, that was, that was what I did was work right. out, eat, right. All that kind of stuff. But mentally and emotionally boot camp was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, once again, they don't, they don't care about the individual at all. So it yeah. was kind of, Shocking going from where you're the athlete when people care about every individual athlete to like, you're just another, you're just another to get back in line. Uh, And then, uh, so I was an infantry Marine, went to SOI and school of infantry and did all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, went to a station in 29 Palms, California, like in the middle of the desert. Yep. So, um, been there a few times. Yeah. I actually, later in my career, I actually tried to get back there and the monitor said no. So I was denied access to 29 Palms. I, I didn't know that that was even a, a possibility. I thought they, you,
0: Why? What was the reason?
2: <laughs> I have no idea. He wanted to send me to uh, Lejeune and I was like, oh, I'll go to 29 Palms. And he was like, no, you've been there enough. We'll send you to Lejeune. I was like, okay. Um, I don't know monitors do what they do. Okay. I think it's usually exact opposite of what you want because they don't want you happy, especially in the uh, the infantry. Okay. But uh, yeah, I went to uh, San or I went to Twenty Nine Palms. Uh, I was there for a while, deployed to uh, the uh, invasion. So I was with Third uh, Battalion Summit Marines during the invasion of Iraq. Um, we were there for nine months. Yeah, we went. We were actually in Kuwait. And then we, we did the, uh, the invasion all the way up to Baghdad, and then the rest of our 3-7 uh, went back down to Kuwait after Baghdad, and my uh, company stayed in a little town called Mahadia, and it was like the Wawa west of, of the, uh, that area, because everybody from Baghdad was getting pushed out, because that's mm-hmm. where all the major units were. There was were so, uh, so many forces in Baghdad. That all the small towns and right outside were, were seeing a lot of uh, insurgency. So it was like every single night we would go out for patrol, we'd get into some sort of contact. Hmm. Uh, but there was a, especially in my we had, we stayed in this little chicken factory. We had to uh, like shovel it out. It had like chicken crap all over the place. So it spent, we spent like two days shoveling out before we could move in. And the town
1: was like, that sounds healthy. That sounds extremely healthy. Of
2: course. Yeah, that doesn't have any effect on respiratory issues. Like,
1: none. None whatsoever.
2: Marine should lose.
1: That sounds like a class action suit that you see on Instagram nowadays. Did you shovel chicken shit out of your <laughs> hooch in Iraq?
2: Right next to the three millimeter <laughs> earplug, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Sign sign up on this petition if you were deployed in a chicken coop uh, between 2003 <laughs> and 2009. Yeah, I'm waiting for that one to come back out. Yeah.
0: Um, well, now that now that you said that, you've just polluted everybody's Instagram feeds with those ads. So,
1: thanks, <laughs> get them! I get them all day long. The ear earplug ones. Do you get those, Will?
2: Oh yeah, I get like, them all the time. Uh, and it's
1: I'm half deaf from the army. I I mean, de- dead serious. I have serious hearing problems. And and the the ones that get paid all that money, I'm like a year off of it. Like it starts. I'm like. Okay they i i used the same earplugs that the guys did the next year like why don't i get those bucks it, i tried to sign up and it kicked me out cuz of the my years in service my the year i got out yeah i try i
2: started signing up for it, and i was like no i don't want to deal with any of this and i honestly didn't use earplugs nearly enough so i don't well, to... what
1: how are you it always cracked me up i mean we're getting way off track here but how i understand wearing them at the range right yeah but, when you're walking down the streets of Fallujah, yeah. you're not wearing earplugs. No,
2: well, not only that, but the the auditory exclusion that happens when you get into contact anyway. Like I've never really had issues, uh, and I've been shot at and shot a lot of uh, rounds, and I didn't have any issues. Like on the range, yeah, like you said, I hear every round, but
1: yeah, I
2: never really had issues
1: with. me my- I mean, I was never in a. Um... I was never in a big firefight, but I mean, in training, I was a, I was a modus gunner for several years off a of Humvee. And dude, we jacked off thousands of rounds, you know, with the, with the miles gear, you know, and yeah. it's blanks. It's not the same thing, but it's thousands of rounds where the whole Humvee is covered in, in, in brass, yep. you know, and, and I never once wore an earplug, you know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know.
2: To to correct myself, there there was uh, right before we left 29 Palms um, the second time. I was with the Scout Sniper Platoon and we fired the uh, the the 50 cal, the Barrett, and we had our double ear pro on and we were rocking and rolling. And it, that still kind of stung a little bit. After a while, you have to like, I need to back away from this gun. But then. I went to fire it in combat, and I forgot to put on ear pro. And we were Mm -hmm. inside of the building, and oh my god, I I almost threw up. It was just the being indoors with a a small little hut. Oh, I fired one round. It was like oh.
1: The Barrett has so much. It has more percussion than than uh than the the Ma Deuce does. The Ma Deuce has you know the longer barrel and like oh man, yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah. that was the only time it
2: affected me i was like Phew. i had to roll off the gun and kind of almost throw up and then make sure i grab my my ear pro and put them on real quick because that was that's a
0: bad idea yeah. well the barrett has that, that muzzle brake on it doesn't it that kind of redirects some of that that concussion yeah yes it does and in, some of it yeah <laughs> yeah it's not well, gonna no, But i mean it redirects it back towards you
2: yeah it comes back yeah. towards you and especially if you're inside of a building. Yeah everything comes back in that building and it's the overpressure. It just, yeah. that was a bad day. Um, I did that once. So I learned from quickly from that mistake.
1: Dude, I have a seven millimeter that rocks and it's nowhere near the bullet or the chamber that a, that a bear it is. Man, you know, I have a seven millimeter that, that is set up like a scope or uh, a sniper rig and, and you gotta wear hearing protection you know you you have to because it's just anyway (laughs)
0: well it's probably why i I think i read the marine corps issuing uh silence or suppressors now to all the infantry platoons isn't that right yeah well they're trying to i don't the army's got to go through them first and then
2: they don't want them anymore and then then my son's
1: in the 82nd he was just home on leave last week and he said that um so he went to their like sniper qualification so he's a sniper for their platoon Okay. But it it's not sniper school. Don't
2: So a designated marksman, like DM? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Oh. So so each truck each truck has a has a sniper designated guy on it and they get the yeah. I think it's a I think it's a three oh eight uh I'm screwing this up so I'm not gonna stumble through it, but it's a three oh eight calibered rifle. But it and it's suppressed. But he said they just they just came off a of IRF and he said that uh when he got back today they were all getting issued um m4 suppressors for the 556 rifles so yeah yeah Yeah. the the army will go through them and then Mm. the marines will get all the old ones that the army throws away and then and then
0: uh it's probably cheaper than paying all those earplug lawsuits it's probably why they're doing it
1: (laughs) it looks cooler
0: well it seems like all i mean we're getting off topic but it seems like all the uh the trend now is the high-cut helmets and the uh like the peltor headsets and all that i keep seeing that everywhere so maybe that'll maybe that'll be a thing going forward you know well i know for the
2: marine corps at least we're trying to get to smaller and smaller units like strike groups instead of big platoons and companies going in and doing things now they want like squad level or lower so i guess trying to keep the footprint smaller with suppressors as well so it's not as doesn't seem as kinetic as it actually is I, i don't know what the i don't know why you would want Thirty guys with with suppressors, in like a a conventional war fighting setting. I don't know. Um,
0: Maybe the thought is that uh, there's going to be more urban conflict, or maybe we're starting to focus on China. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? I I know the uh, getting rid of the tank thing was kind of interesting. I don't. That seems to be dividing a lot of people. But
2: I'm I'm not talking about it. But (laughs) I don't know.
0: What are your thoughts? a good thing to get rid of the tanks or i don't
2: i don't think it's ever a good idea to get rid of a capability i think that we should always keep the capabilities we have and then build upon those that we need and those that that we don't quite have we can always redirect them but i mean it's the same thing they did with the scout Sniper program throughout the history of the marine corps uh we needed snipers in world war one didn't have them Got some, and then we got rid of the program. World War II got rid of the program. Yep. Vietnam didn't have them. And then, like, we yeah. had to keep recreating the wheel instead of just saying, hey, we got this capability. Let's use it. Even if we don't need the, the tanks right now, I mean, who's to say it? we don't need them in Iran? Who's to say we don't need them yeah. in China? China. Like,
1: it says we don't need them in, in uh, the South uh, or the, the Pacific Northwest of the United States when China invades. Exactly. Yeah. Dude, let me tell you something. I, I shot, I got, I was a 19 Delta Cavalry Scout. I was very blessed to be able to shoot. I got to shoot a ton of weaponry and kind of a jack of all trades MOS in the Army, right? We learned demo and other stuff. But I, when I got my first duty station was in Germany, I was in 1st Armor Division. And uh, we had a sister platoon of M1 Abrams. And this is 1995. So the technology is even better now, right? But dude, I got to go sit inside that thing at a gunnery. Dude, that thing was like, the gunner is on one target, the computer system is shifting to another target while the driver's moving one way, and then the Kiowa helicopter's painting another target, all within a computer system, all from a mile away. Yeah. Like, we can't even see the targets. It's like, doom, 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 you know, they're lining up three targets that, you know, yep. those things are dope. You know, don't get rid of the Abrams. Now. Exactly. Scouts hate tankers, so we can get rid of the tankers, but don't get rid of the tanks. I, love oh, yeah. it.
0: I I'm a big fan of the M1. I never got to riding in one, but I may or may not have been attached to a unit that may or may not have not put enough charge in a 155 round and dropped a um, HE round on top of one of those things, and it mm. basically just bounced off it. So I'm um very <laughs> big fan of, of the M1 because I've seen what it can withstand, so... But uh, yeah, that was that was
1: stupid. <laughs> stupid artillery guys.
0: <laughs> it, it was a Twenty Palms, and it, it was crazy because we saw the round land right on it. We're like, "What the hell?" You know. And they they forgot like a bag or two a charge in the gun, but that's a whole another story. But yeah, didn't didn't affect the tank at all. It was pretty, well, cool to see, but in a kind of cathartic way, I guess. But whatever. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> well, I mean that that's kind of like. I know
2: for us in the last, I don't know, 2000, what was it, 12 to 15, they even later, they got rid of artillery in Afghanistan and Iraq. They just converted those Marines into regular 03 door kickers, but they didn't get rid of artillery. They didn't get rid of artillery pieces. Like yeah. We still have it in the Marine Corps. We have the capability. We just didn't need it for that mission. So they took those Marines and made them useful somewhere else. Yeah. I don't know why we can't do that same thing why get rid of a great piece of gear? Yeah. Um, I don't
0: know. Yeah, you I'm could... I'm it's, not there it, seems make like, it seems like you could mothball the tanks somewhere. Like, they put all those planes out in the desert. Why not put the tanks out there? Exactly. You know? Just let, well, them, just let them sit for a while. And if you need them, pull them out of storage. But they're they're just giving them away. They're, they're transferring to the Army. Yeah. I mean, they're they're letting a lot of Marines go. They're even letting Marines transfer to uh, different branches. I, I don't know. I've... Now that's a topic for another day, I guess, but yeah. <laughs> we could we could we can chat for hours. I'm sure. But so you deployed. Um, I know when you're over there, you had, uh, if you want, if you want to talk about it, I know you, you suffer a pretty horrific injury
2: Yeah. Uh,
0: and you kept, you kept pushing forward. So let's, let's hear about that.
2: Yeah. So uh, I was in a, a vehicle that got hit with an IED um, kind of, Threw the vehicle upside down. I got thrown around a little bit inside the vehicle. Uh, I didn't really have anything. Like nothing pierced my armor, pierced my body. Um, no horrific injuries. But uh, my ribs were pretty beat up, um, pretty bruised. And I I started developing a, a cough. And I started like coughing up sputum. And the, that cough started getting worse. So I went and saw my, my platoon corpsman who's like this baby Corman who's been a Corman for like <laughs> a couple months. And he's like, yeah, I just, uh, I think we just take some Motrin. I don't know. So I was like, cool. Whatever you say, man, you're the take doctor. Water,
0: change your socks.
2: Yeah. That's the only problem with calling them doc. Everybody thinks they're an actual doctor, but uh, once you, once you start learning things, you realize that baby Corman don't really know a lot, Um, but damn dude, are they right next to you every day? So uh yeah, eventually I was like, this is not working doc. Um I need, I need to talk to somebody. So I, I saw the chief and the chief kind of uh, said that it was an upper respiratory infection that all the Marines are getting it because we're in the middle of the desert.
1: I was like, I shoveling chicken <laughs> shit out of your hooch. <laughs>
2: exactly. Uh I said, just, just clean up some of that chicken shit and you'll be fine. Um, so they gave me some, a Z pack and that actually made it kind of seem like it was better. Um, the sputum started getting a little bit clearer and I was able to go, um, start going back out on patrols. I, was, I mean, I was, my ribs were still beat up. And if you've ever had a rib injury, you know how fun just coughing is. So like getting up, putting gear on, it took me a little while to get back out of the wire. Uh, I was chomping at the bit to go. So I, I didn't want anything to be wrong either. Um, they gave me the Z-pack and I started feeling better and my the mucus became clear and I wasn't coughing up mouthfuls of it. So I figured chief was right. He knew what he was talking about. So we, uh, I rolled out and went on like a, it was like a two, like two and a half hour patrol. Just, nothing really happened. We were just walking around in the, the desert heat and I started just sweating profusely, which is more than I normally sweat in 110 degree heat, but it just started pouring out and I got pale white and got, like, I started getting dizzy. So I came back, we came back in the wire and I just like, I was, I was hurting. I started shivering, started shaking and they finally kind of made the decision that I needed to go to see a higher echelon of care. They, they put me on a bird and I went, I don't even know where I went, somewhere somewhere higher up the, uh, the ladder. And they gave me a CAT scan, an X-ray and all sorts of other uh, scans that they were able to do. And I saw a big black spot on my lung, um, on my left lung. So they didn't know really what it was but they knew that that was not good. Uh, so they metabacked me out and uh, got all the way back to um, Portsmouth, Virginia, and they did a bunch of other tests like a sweat test and they did some other stuff to try and like get my um, my lung under control the the infection that had taken place and they could not they couldn't get the infection to kind of die down so they had to cut the lung out so it didn't start infecting the uh, the right lung uh, before it. it crossed and started getting into the right bronchioles and everything. So they cut the left lung out, um, cut, cut through all my, the lats on my left side, cut through all my, uh, my, the rib cage. They took my inside, the ribs that are on the inside, and they basically pulled them apart. So they were at the same location where my outside ribs would be. So they cracked them all and had to pull them out, remove the lung stapled it all back together and basically said I was going to be done. Uh, I was going to be medically uh, out of the Marine Corps, but I was not happy with that decision. So I um, told them, no, I'll be good. And about um, a year later, I, I was able to run and pass my next PFT. So they, they allowed me to stay in the Marine Corps uh, for oh. several more years. That's
0: I'm, to be honest, I'm surprised I let you stay because, I mean, I would have thought that that would have been just a career ender. You know, I was that – did you have to pull strings to get that done or was it just as long as you can pass the PFT, you're good? I,
2: that, that was the big – that was the, the the starting one. They said, all right, we're going to give you – because they were. They were basically like, you're done. Every doctor was like, no, 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 you're done. You're done. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not done. Like, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Um, I don't know who was able to persuade them or whatever. I don't know if it was somebody in my command. Uh, there was a, uh, there, there's a, a liaison, a, a wounded warrior liaison group, um, at that hospital. So I don't know if one of those, one of the head people there were able to talk to him, but somebody miraculously talked to the doctors and said, Hey, no, let's, let's keep from med boarding him out until like, give him a, a, enough time to recuperate. And then maybe if we have to, we'll put him on another med board. But I was, I was up to the, my. Like days, and I finally took that PFT and passed it. Uh, I actually did pretty well on the PFT. Um, the hardest part were the pull-ups because of the lat cutting through my lat was that. Yeah, that took the longest to recover from, um, and I was able to. Uh, I I deployed, so I passed that in what was it August, and then I deployed uh, to a to Japan in J- uh, January. So. Um, with a Marine fast unit in my okay. uh, fleet anti-terrorism security team we jumped over there. As soon as I passed that PFT, I went there, worked out, uh, worked up with them for a little bit and then deployed. So Jeez. it was, it was a, yeah, that was, that was a tough one to come back from. I, I was, I think, um, a hundred and I want to say 140 pounds going into that, that deployment, I was like, 190 pounds and wow yeah it was like 140 pounds out like a couple weeks after that surgery just I couldn't eat it or keep anything down um that lung was just it was it would mess me up pretty bad um the infection just I, I couldn't eat anything I couldn't retain water it was it was crazy that's why they did all the sweat tests and yeah. eventually they were like we can't do anything else and then I was able to to recover and before my deployment i think i was back up to like 160 pounds but okay. it
0: was it, it was pretty rough <laughs> was it if you don't mind me asking do you think that was something like if you if they would have caught it sooner do you think it could have been prevented or do you think whatever the infection was it the lung would have been had to be removed anyway i
2: i think that i don't i i'm not a doctor but uh, i think I think I had a lot to play with that because I didn't want to see the doctor and I didn't okay. want to give them the information that they actually needed. Um, I wanted the, the diagnosis to be like, yeah, just take these, these meds and you'll be able oh, to okay. get out of the wire as soon as possible. Um, maybe, maybe if I got a CAT scan right away, maybe if I got a CT, something okay. right away, uh, they'd be able to kind of pinpoint it and say, Hey, we're, we're seeing something before it started spreading. Um, but I have no idea for sure.
0: Uh, that's I'm, that's horrible, man. I'm sorry. I mean, do you have any, um, I mean, what's it like with one lung? Have you noticed a big difference? I, I haven't actually.
2: Yeah. Um, no, I actually ran some of my best PFTs after my lung was removed. Um, I, I compete in jujitsu all the time and I don't really notice a lack of, uh, lung capacity. I do a lot of cardio. My heart, like my resting heart is usually around like 48 cause I need to <laughs> make sure that my blood, the oxygen that it throws around it yeah. is, is as much as I can get per, um, per beat. But um, I've talked to a few people who were like born without a lung or had the surgery due to other reasons. And mm-hmm. they they said that they don't really feel the effects either. Um, I've done some PF, like the pulmonary function test, and I've done some uh, VO2 maxes. Mm-hmm. And I am still well above average for my age, even wow. with the lung. So. I'm not. I don't know the physiology behind that, but right. I I'm just a little bit worried once I get older, because I do get pneumonia all the time. I do get. Okay. Um, Did I you do, get COVID? I I don't know. I didn't officially get COVID, but well,
1: I. Well, you never got it if you don't get tested. That's that's exactly. our philosophy in our house. But do you feel yeah. like you may have got it?
2: Yeah, I'm pretty sure I got it. Um, what was it January of 2020 before? everybody knew about it like, I was- oh
1: that's funny because if i if i got it honestly it was right around january february last year yeah. and it i had a real bad cough that kind of i couldn't kick the cough for a couple days and you know i couldn't get back on the bike you know i was just kind of yeah. man this is sticking around for a minute and if so i i i tell people if i got it that's when it was was that same time period
2: exactly but
1: i'm with you though if you never go get tested you're not on a list
2: exactly yep yeah.
1: Exactly.
0: Hey, You're Don't still get- on a list. I, I've been getting random calls and text messages. Hey, come get your vaccine. Come get this, come get that. Uh,
1: every time they call me, they go, Hey, can I speak to Ben? I go, Oh, I'm sorry. You have the wrong number. This is Brian Hanna. Here's my address. <laughs> Here's my, <laughs> I'd love a vaccination. I'd love a, I'd love a, 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 test drug to see, um, that doesn't really make you, uh, immune. It's, I, I, I don't. I don't really know what it does. I,
2: I'm I want someone to come to my door.
1: That's <laughs> what Nobody, well, my door have a conversation. We don't know they, each other very well, but they don't want to come to my door.
0: <laughs> no. Hey, off topic a little bit. Speaking of this, have you seen that they're going to be checking text messages if you are sending misinformation to your friends? Yes. Like, have you guys seen that? Is that fucking crazy? Well, that and they're like, already
2: admitting that they they are running who, like Facebook basically, who needs to be banned and who's supposed yes. to come down. Like that is crazy. That's the craziest yeah. shit I've
1: heard. Yeah,
0: so that's, that actually is crazy to me because if, if, I mean, just if you look at it from like a law enforcement perspective, if, if a police officer or a federal agent asks someone, hey, go search that building for me, that person now is considered a government actor and that's now a fourth amendment violation, right? Oh. So now the government is telling Facebook, you have to suppress that speech how is that not a First Amendment violation? Because now Facebook is acting on behalf of the government. That's crazy to me.
1: Dude, they they parade it around. I mean, and look, I it, I don't like I don't like getting fake. I don't like face I don't get on Facebook. I don't like the Facebook news. I don't have
2: Facebook. Yep.
1: Yeah, I don't do that. But what is happening today is the most un-American. It is a complete criminal act. It's a violation of the Constitution of the United States that we've all promised to uphold mm-hmm. uh, against enemies, foreign and domestic. And you take that statement with whatever grain of salt you want, because right now the biggest threat to our country outside of China, which is now being invited into our White House, is is domestic. You know, a domestic problem with. Our so-called elected officials, they flaunt it. They're not even trying to hide it. They're not even trying to hide it. They're just trying to take freedoms. It's crazy. It's insane.
0: You know I, I think it is, is more – well, I mean, it's all bad. But, like, if you're just a regular person, I could see how you could get just totally overwhelmed because you don't know what to believe, right? Like, that, that to me 100%. Is, is one of the most frustrating things about all this is that – like, I don't really want to take a side. I try not to be political. I try not to be like, well, I'm not going to do that because Biden said it, or, you know, some yeah. people, I'm not taking the vaccine because it's a Trump vaccine. Like, I don't want to be that guy. But at the same time, it's like, how do you know what to believe, right? Because there's so much just nonsense floating around that it takes, it takes a day to sift through everything, right? Well, so we don't,
1: we don't get very political on our show, but I will say, so my political beliefs for all our listeners that want to hear it, maybe they don't want to hear it, but My political belief is, is that I I believe in the constitution of the United States and that there's freedoms. Our forefathers wrote those things. Was it perfect? No. Is it a living document? Yes. Have we made bad decisions as a country? Have we made great decisions? Absolutely. We should be growing every day. But our forefathers wrote the most amazing document ever to exist in in the history of the world. And they did it for a reason. And those freedoms—they're—they're they're all very specific to protect the people versus a tyrannical government or an imposing threat. And they're all there for a reason. And because I believe one way, or um, an Islamic American feels one way, or a homosexual American feels one way, it—that they're all protected. Under the Constitution of the United States, we've all forgotten that it's okay to disagree. We don't all think alike. We don't. That's what the beauty of America is. It's the melting pot. So I have my own opinions about let's just use the most recent thing, vaccinations. I have my own opinions about it. But I also, if you want to go get vaccinated, God bless you. Exactly. And I'm not going to be a jerk to you about it. You know, but the freedom of speech and the freedom to and the right to bear arms—they are trying to take. It, it's it's appalling. I mean, this whole Cuban thing is a micro shot of this, where the the people that actually live in the communist country, who by the way have free college, uh, free housing, <laughs> uh, welfare checks every month for everybody on the planet, are killing themselves or being killed for trying to come to America. They're flying American flags. And we have people in our country that are elected officials that are supposed to be, they're trying to create what's in Cuba. It's insane. It's insane to me. I, I I can't even wrap my mind around it. I have to stay out of it because it's, it's insane.
2: Well, I mean, on top of that, the so they're saying that voter IDs are racist and, minorities somehow can't get ids if that's true we'll just go with that premise that that is true like certain minorities can't do it do you think that them voting every two or four years is their biggest issue maybe maybe if they don't have an id they're they're probably struggling on a daily basis so let's if that's an issue which i don't believe it is if it is, why aren't, why aren't, why isn't anybody saying, hey, we need to fix this so they can have a bank account so they can get an apartment so they can.
1: It's all vote. about, it's all about votes. It's all about yeah. power. It's yeah. all about, no, it, you're right, man. It's, you know, what, what's crazy about what you said. That's though,
0: Cause that's a pretty big problem if that's true. But it, I'll tell you what, it's not. And I'll tell you why. I think it was, um, I think it was Nikki Haley. I, I could be wrong in that, but I think it was Nikki Haley when she was the governor of North Carolina, was it? South Dakota. Not Nikki Haley. Or North
1: is it Nikki Haley? Oh, no, Noem. I'm thinking of uh, Christ- Christy Nome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: But I, so, okay, if I butcher the story to anyone out there, I apologize. But <laughs> I, I'm 90% sure it was Nikki Haley, and I believe she was governor of one of the Carolinas. I didn't prepare for this, so I'm going off the cuff. But the point is...
1: South Carolina.
0: Thank you. I was close. Same thing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but she created a program. She said, okay, if there are people out there that can't get get ids we're going to send you a bus to come pick you up and we're going to bring you to get an id and you know how many people took her up on it it was like 12 i think that was a number it was it was almost nobody right well it's not
1: true it's not true
0: right but yeah exactly so like all this stuff i mean we're getting political and i don't necessarily want to but it i think it kind of relates to the show in that the 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 point of this show is to say you're owed nothing, right? It's in the title. It is the title, nothing owed, right? Everything you want is out there for the taking. And this isn't a political show, but at the same time, the idea of the show is kind of based on the traditional American values of, you're not owed anything. You have all the rights you need. The Bill of Rights, it shouldn't be controversial, right? Because the rights that are given to us as American citizens are granted to us by a power higher than the government. That shouldn't be controversial, right? That shouldn't be political because that's the truth right the government didn't give us those rights those rights were given to us by god they're inherent yeah they're they're inalienable right so those rights are guaranteed to us by a power above the government therefore the government cannot take those rights away and that is a concept that is unique to america and that is kind of the point of the show is that you have all the freedom that you need to go do or be whatever you want if you want to go live in a hut in the woods in montana good for you if you want to live in a 30 million dollar mansion in newport beach and have a 50, $50 million yacht, good for you, great. But that's your choice, right? But don't come to me saying, you owe me this and you owe me that, or we got to change the constitution or we got to destroy this or destroy that because it's never worked. And like you said about Cuba, look what, like I, I've known people that have come from Cuba. Like they had two TV stations. They got ration cards for butter and milk and rice. And it's, it. it it doesn't make, none of this makes any sense to me, right? Because we're, we're going backwards to say, we need more freedom. We have to be more like Cuba. America's oppressive. America's this, America's that. It's like, what are you talking about? Right. You have everything you want at your fingertips. You have a cell phone in your hand that for a lot of people is provided by the government. Right. So you have access to the world's information in the palm of your hand. You have no reason to complain about anything. Like, and and that's, (laughs) I'm going on a rant here, but that's kind of the, the the overreaching overarching theme of the show. Is it just go do it, right? Like, you know, just like Will, he lost a lung, right? But he's he's still kicking ass. He's still he's a BJJ trainer, right, or an instructor. I mean, he pushed through his military career he could have walked away. You know,
1: I did four it's, more deployments with one lung, yeah. and a broken <laughs> shoulder, and like and didn't ask for anything you hear his p- opinion here about the the earplug thing he's not asking for free i'm sure he probably has hearing problems uh, i don't know man you're we're getting away from yeah, learning about sorry. will we're getting sorry, away sorry, from sorry. learning about will but i think will agrees with this on some of this stuff but yeah i mean the big thing that
2: i try and t- when people do ask my opinion on this our far- forefathers wrote a a bill of rights and our constitution that basically said these are the ways that you can stop us from overreaching our power we are yeah. the ones who are going to be in power but this is how you're going to stop us from doing things so anybody who wants to take that away is basically saying i don't want you to stop me
1: from doing whatever i want the constitution That's- is a doc-
2: you have to question that guy who says i want to take all your powers
1: to, yeah. to stop yeah way. the constitution is a document that was designed to protect the people of the united states from a government Exactly. That's it. So if you have
2: a government who's saying, I don't want you to have that protection anymore, you might want to question that.
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter if you're left or right. Exactly. If, you're, if your elected official is trying to take away your constitutional rights, yep. there, that has nothing to do with racism. It has nothing to do mm-hmm. with uh, shootings. It has nothing to do with anything other than a government is trying to limit your ability to take away their power and money
0: period. Yeah. And the, and the more that happens, the more the government increases their power, the harder it is for the individual person to do what they want. And it and like I said, I we're not trying to be political, but at the same time it does relate to the show. So you have to stop that. Like you you have to vote for the right people because the more the government controls your life, the less freedom you have to to get that success whatever it may be, right? You know, it's not having the freedom having the freedom to succeed also comes with the freedom to fail. Right. And if if you take away the freedom to fail in in a roundabout way, you're taking away the freedom to succeed because when the government tries to make everything equal and make everybody finish at the same point, it never works out. And the only people that benefit are the people at the top. And that's
1: some, some people, not everybody gets a trophy, man. Like you got to work hard. You got to put in the, you know, you got to put a, you got to put in the work And, and anything that's, worthwhile is hard yeah you know
2: if if you look at anybody who's super successful look at Michael Jordan he was cut from his high school basketball team if he was in high school today and wasn't cut because he got to keep everybody and everybody's got equal playing time he he may have never even become close to what he is Uh, you look at anybody who's who's famous for doing something they usually failed at something else either that showed them showed them maybe that's not your calling you can do it for fun or it showed them, Hey, if you actually care about this, you need to put in a lot more work. Mm -hmm. And that's where you get the the extreme athletes or this extreme uh, success. So my,
1: my wife and I have a a text chain with our kids every day and we, we kind of all go back and forth with motivational things that we see every day. And and then we kind of elbow each other a lot in it, but I just sent one today and it's a, I don't know, it's some Jocko quote that I heard. And it said, there's only hard work, late nights, early mornings, practice, rehearsal, repetition, study, sweat, blood, toil, frustration, and discipline, period. Like, I mean, if you – I I assume if you're listening to this podcast, you've listened to a couple podcasts similar to ours. And, you know, we're up and coming. We're, we're doing our best. But the Jockos, the David Goggins, the, um, you know, any of those guys – none of them get on there and go, you know what, man, this has been great. This has been so easy. You know, I've never had to, I mean, come on, man. Like every success story in our country, veteran related or not every success story comes with, you know, perseverance, perseverance, you know, Mm -hmm. hard work, man. Like nobody owes you anything. That's what I try to tell my kids all the time. When I, they start to tell, you know, kids get into grooves, Right oh dad it's unfair this guy was mean to me at work and da, 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 da. it's like they own the business yeah. if you don't like where you work have a conversation and if it still ain't it still doesn't go the way you want it to go find another job yeah. work harder start your own business or <laughs> your own business yeah. exactly yeah
2: yeah. So, yeah my the motto that i live by and every time somebody asks me like what do i think about success victory favors neither the wicked nor the righteous only the prepared. so be the one who's prepared because that's the only way that's going to get you to that whatever your victory is.
0: amen so that that right there I think is the quote of the uh, the podcast that, that's that's gonna have to be the uh, the highlighted line for this entire show I, I think that's awesome.
1: yeah it's <laughs> it's it's right in line with what we're talking about but, uh, so, so how long did you end up staying? Let's get back on track yeah. here. How long did you end up staying? I did. I did my 20, 20 years. And yeah. when did you retire? 19, uh, 2019. Oh, okay. So recently I didn't realize it was yeah. that recent. Um, so when did you start doing jujitsu? Were you I'm doing pretty, that in the core?
2: Yeah, I, well, I did grappling in the core. So okay. jujitsu is <laughs> Kind of, they got Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, which is with the kimono, um, and the belt, and and then there's No Gi Jiu Jitsu, which is.
1: Did you just a, say the kimono?
2: The kimono, yes. The, the, the
1: karate. <laughs> this is a technical term, all right. I thought <laughs> a kimono is that what it's really called? I thought it a, isn't that what they call the ladies' dress? No. Yeah. What, it, I what mean, is the what is the ladies' Japanese dress? Uh, hang on, we're gonna do a fact check here. Okay. I thought you were being sarcastic because you're more no, no, of a, yeah. no, a no gi guy.
2: The official term is the kimono, and then like the uh,
1: slang is gi. Oh, I thought i I'm sorry, I thought a kimono. <laughs> no. Was like what the like the traditional ladies.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I oh, wonder if it has it's to do with the same the fold. style. It's just different fabric. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if it is the folds. Yep. You know, with the belt. Well, and
0: stuff. if you guys want the official definition, a kimono is a long, loose robe with wide sleeves and tied with a sash originally worn as a formal garment in japan and now also used elsewhere as a robe okay hmm. so i don't if you're not wearing a sash i don't know if you can call it a kimono oh,
1: boy. <laughs> i thought he was throwing i thought he was throwing <laughs> jabs at the jiu- <laughs> <laughs> need
2: to get with the the uh the jujitsu hires and let them know but uh no well, officially, I'm, just give, I'm,
0: I'm just giving you a hard time a kimono,
2: <laughs> but most people call it the bee for sling. Um, and then you have the uh, the rash guard wears like rash guard and board shorts, which is nilgi jiu jitsu, and that's what I, I did a lot of that starting um, 2006, seven, something like that. And then I did MMA, um, just kind of messing around. Um, and then after I after I went through my long issue, I was trying to like get back in shape, so I started rolling a little bit more. I was a big wrestling in high school like we talked about so it kind of came naturally for me but I didn't put on the gi to start training gi jiu-jitsu until 2014 so I put the gi on for the first time in 2014 and I've been training both gi and no gi since then
1: tell that story again <laughs> I know you, you told us offline but tell that story where you showed up at a, a traditional gym and you're working out with some guys and they were like, what belts are you? How did that go again? Uh, Tell that story again.
2: So I was uh, competing in MMA and I, I want to fight and the, the referee. Who's a really big, he's a, he's a huge jujitsu guy. He's, I think he's like a fourth or fifth degree black belt, like very respected. Uh, he asked me what belt I was. Cause he seen me win a bunch of MMA fights and some uh, local like uh, nogi tournaments. And I told him I was a white belt. It's like, uh, what? Like I'm a white belt and he's like okay we got to fix that so I went up to his gym a couple weeks later we rolled for like an hour and a half and he promoted me to blue belt and I was like oh okay cool thanks I I threw that in my trunk and I didn't like didn't touch that for a while I was like I don't the only belt I cared about was a gold one for being an MMA champion I didn't care about anything else that's awesome when I stopped wanting to get punched in the face and everything I was like all right I guess I'll just do jiu-jitsu and I kind of like brush that off i was like okay i'm a blue belt i didn't know how to tie it i didn't have a gi, so i had to go buy everything and learn how to tie my belt as a blue belt um but i got promoted pretty quickly because i've had a, a lot of experience i just needed to
1: kind of train. you knew what you were doing
2: yeah i just needed yeah. to learn the grips like how to grab people with i d i'm used to grabbing like the back of the neck like wrestling style and I, ended, I needed to learn a few things but i picked it up pretty quick
1: that's cool that's cool i thought that was pretty funny like Bro, you, you have a belt. You just don't know it. (laughs) So now you're, uh, so now you're a grappling instructor at, at, uh, so you go to two different gyms, you do the no-gi gym and that, that you're an instructor there Yep. and, and you get in some workouts, uh, where you're, you're getting in more workouts. It's a little less structured, but you still work out at a traditional gym as well. Right.
2: Yeah. So at the traditional gym, uh, I train at a uh, Virginia beach jiu-jitsu under it's a Habaro gym. Um, I am the, the, one of the kids coaches, we have like six kids, uh, six kids coaches. So I'm one of the kids coaches there. And then I also do training underneath uh, some of the black boats there. Um, with hmm. Grindstone. I, I teach them the adult grappling class and the MMA class. Um, so that's kind of my program. And then when I go to Virginia beach, I'm kind of working with somebody else's program.
0: That's so, uh, cool. I'm curious with it, with the kids, like how, what ages, what age did you recommend? And then right, me back up.
2: Oh, we have, we have a three and four year old class. And then really? we have like four up to like four to eight. And then we have another eight to about 14. And then usually at 14, they start moving to the adult class.
0: So you have kids as young as three. I would have never, I would have never thought yeah. that that's awesome.
2: So for the, for the really small kids, like the three and four year olds, it's not a lot of jujitsu. It's more like we do, we have these little balance beams, so we'll have them walk on the balance beam okay. and it's like a coordination, they'll okay. do forward rolls and they'll learn how to move their body kind of, uh, in different ways. And then we do have them do certain jujitsu techniques. So they're actually learning jujitsu, but it's more focused on, Hey, how to get from one end of the mat to the other, and whether they're bear crawling or crab walking or okay. doing
0: forward rolls or something. So when – what age, what age do the kids start getting into – I mean, I know as a kid you're not doing full jujitsu, but, like, when does it start to get serious?
2: Uh, we got some extremely serious – like, some of our kids, if it was pound for pound, they are probably our best athletes on the mats. Um, so we have a couple 14-, 15-year-olds that are – like, I just got back from uh, Myrtle Beach. One of our guys had a super fight. One of our 15-year-olds had a super fight. So they invited him down there and basically had him just – compete against one other kid okay uh, this big show um but it depends on the, the child and when they started some of the kids who started when they were like three once they get to like eight or nine if they're if they enjoy it and they're there because they want to be there not because their parents force them to go there right that's when they start like i can see them turning the corner right around the like eight or nine if they started but it's usually like maybe three or four years into learning jiu when they okay. start turning that corner and they they're getting real good it's at the point jiu-jitsu has been evolving so quickly that like i'm not even going to know how to coach some of these kids in like three or four years it's just so dynamic they can do things that adults can't
0: like how so like i mean how- they're rolling
2: okay. down They're they're able to throw their feet in weird directions when like my hamstrings just will not allow something gotcha. to happen um even as a black belt like i i feel like I'm, I try and stay up with some of the, the, the newer jujitsu. It's a lot of uh, flashier um, Instagram reel type jujitsu. Um, whereas like old school jujitsu is a lot of pressure, perfect pressure in perfect position, mm-hmm. uh, timing, everything like that. Now it's kind of gotten a lot flashier. It's gotten a lot more like upside down guards instead of just regular stuff. Um, so I have to try and learn that just so I can keep up with the kids and keep them interested in, in, uh, in jiu-jitsu where we are instead of saying, hey, well, these this, these guys over here are learning the cool, fun stuff. Because um, it's really hard to be a black belt, which a lot of people think are like, that's the expert, but like that's the end all. That's really when you actually start understanding jiu-jitsu. Um, kind of like if you went to college and I gave you a, a, a senior's textbook. As a freshman, you're a freshman you can read it and regurgitate it, but you don't understand it until you get to that level. And then you're like, okay, now I understand it. So as a black belt, I'm finally at the level where I can read something and not just regurgitate it. And you show me something, I can duplicate it, but I understand where it's coming from. Um, But now I have to kind of like take everything I know and put that aside and start learning stuff that I never learned before. So it kind of feels like I'm always a white belt trying to learn new things Mm -hmm. to kind of feed the
0: kids. Well, that's interesting. I mean, do you think with all the changes, I mean, do you think the newer like flashier moves, do you think it's, I mean, are they just, uh, no, I don't know much about jujitsu. I'm going to say that, but do you think the newer moves, is it, is it more for flash or are they just as effective as the older moves? I mean, is it like what, you know what I'm saying? Like, is it, is it just for no, show or is it,
2: it effective in a different, so basically for we'll say the, the first couple of years of jujitsu, Technique A, B, and C worked really, really well. But then everybody started learning how to defend A, B, and C. So okay. we go to DEF. Gotcha. Now we're at a point that we're off the alphabet learning. Because at first it was people learning self defense, and then it got big in the UFC. And it's just now it's not just something you do when you're not good at basketball or football or anything else. Now you have high level athletes who are saying, I want to do this from day one. So they're yeah. taking it to another dimension. Um, and now you have s- extremely athletic people doing it and they're just putting their own spin onto it. <laughs> it's
1: it's-, well, it's all, it's all move and counter move, right? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So the more, like you said, eh, you know, for, for years, you know, you did this, you did this a b and c and then you defended it with a b and c and whoever was the best at it won but then guys went well you know what let me try d and then you got to learn how to defend d like I, I get that like it's a constantly fluid you know uh you know it's like mr miyagi teaching that the uh, foot crane thing you know that nobody can defend but then the one guy knows how to defend it when he gets to yep. to okinawa you know it's like or slapping him in the face yeah, yeah, yeah. He tried that move in Okinawa and that, that didn't go very well, you know, Danielson, but uh, I I mean, I'm, I'm making fun of it a little bit, but no, I get it, man. That, that actually makes sense to me as you're you're constantly evolving in your move and counter moves moving. I mean, that's what makes all the guys great. Right. When you watch, I hate to use the UFC as an example, but you know, the, uh the Khabibs right of the world that, yeah. Are just unstoppable because he does moves that nobody can defend against. Yeah. Yet.
2: Which is crazy because it seems very basic and it's, you know exactly what he's gonna do, but you just, you can't stop that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I also think that it's when Jiu Jitsu first started, there was basically the Gracie family and everybody who learned under them learned Gracie Jiu Jitsu. And it was like, this is how it is and this is what you do. And it was like, okay, that's what I do. But now it's getting to the point where these athletes are learning something from a black belt, but they're putting, they're like, oh, well, if I just do it this way and they're feeling they, like they have the, the freedom to, to tweak things and tailor things and so, say, you know what, I, I, my professor or my instructor said to do it this way, but it doesn't work for me that way, but I'm going to do it this way. And people are starting to play with the concepts a little bit more. Uh, it's not like this is the technique. It's more like this is the concept. So go out there and make it your own art. And now you have people all over the world doing jujitsu differently and with their own flair and their own style to it. And it it creates
1: what's making. So it's making the UFC a a billion dollar industry. Yeah, it is. Yeah.
0: You think that, I mean, are most gyms adapting to the change or do you think that that I mean, are some gyms saying no oh, this is jujitsu and we're going to do it this way
2: the successful ones are 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 changing to it okay. and you're seeing a lot more um and i think in in the the grappling community nogi is becoming way more uh i don't want to say important but it's becoming more mainstream the nogi grappling all the events all the super fight events are all nogi now um so you're seeing a lot of schools change to the nogi format um when I started coaching the no-gi class at Grindstone, there wasn't any other, there's one other school in our area that was no-gi focused. It was, everybody else had gi class five nights a week and maybe one class that was that was a no-gi class. So everybody there was better in the gi and then one night they got to experience what no-gi was like. Uh, now you're seeing a 50-50 split because you're seeing a lot of people wanting to know how did the guys in the UFC do it. So right, right. If not if your school's not changing to that format, you're losing a lot of uh, per, prospective students.
1: So, so what's on the horizon for you? You're gonna keep coaching at Grindstone. You ever thought about doing your own gym? What What's on yeah. the horizon?
2: I was honestly like probably a couple days away from starting my own place until the lockdowns. Like before the lockdown started. Like I we talked to people and I had like a couple people that were going to put some money into it. We had a a location already. I was talking to the the people about leasing this place and then the COVID COVID lockdown started happening and I was like, Ooh, and I kind of pulled back. Thankfully, like I was so close to putting all my money in. If if the lockdown started like two months later, I probably would have lost everything. But, uh, I'm not really sure right now. I'm kind of enjoying where I'm at mostly because I I still compete. So it's, I talked to a few people who started in your own place especially those first like three or four years you're doing nothing else other than running your gym and coaching because uh, you don't have students who can kind of take classes for you you don't have a high enough level students who can take your classes so you're teaching every class instead of being able to like have your purple belts teach the uh, the kids class you're teaching every class um but uh, i still got aspirations for uh the nogi world championships here in october the adcc trials in november um, a couple other super fights and then maybe in like maybe three years kind of pull back from the competition side and start focusing on uh coaching and and maybe start my own place hmm.
0: yeah that, i didn't even ask where where are you located virginia beach okay yeah that, that would have been rough because that you guys had pretty pretty harsh lockdowns out there didn't you
2: yeah, we did. We I know a lot of uh, a lot of uh, underground fight clubs that that sprung up because everybody's gyms, the doors are all shut and windows were plastered. But it was like nothing's happening here. But you get the little text messages like, "Hey, dude, we're we're still gonna be open, just not publicly." Um,
1: we had a couple basketball places like that. My kids all play basketball, so they we'd get a text and be like, "Oh, hey, uh, come to the back door at this gym. Uh, yeah. You know, don't tell anybody." Yep. Don't all come in at once.
2: Yeah, and then there was there was a few uh, few people that that let the cat out of the bag, and there was a few schools that got shut down. Like had people come into their schools and lock them down. It was like it was crazy. That was that was a crazy time. And uh,
1: hopefully, it's it's, I don't
2: know. California's shutting back down, so I don't know what's. Virginia loves
1: to follow whatever California does. Yeah, is well, California I mean, really doing that? Well, yeah. Brian lives in California.
0: Yeah, I, well, I can tell you like L.A. County is going uh, back to the mask mandate. Yep. Um, I will say that because Governor Dippity Doo, Gavin Newsom is under recall. I think he's a lot more hesitant to shut things down again. Um, but I think if he feels like he's not if he's safe from the recall, I think he will shut things down again because he's made a ton of money through. I mean, it's another whole thing, but he's made a ton of money through shutting down the state. Yeah. So I know he wants to do it but he can't because he's he doesn't want to get recalled. So
1: Dude, I saw Larry Elders trying to run against him.
0: Yeah, and they they left his name off one of the um yeah. I forget I I got to read more into it but I'm I'm glad to see he's running but I think they're going to Gavin Newsom is such a scumbag that they're going to try everything they can to to keep him out of the race or keep his name off the ballot or whatever it is. They're going to they're going to pull some some shady stuff to try to keep Gavin in power. I'm sure.
1: No, he's uh, got he's got Pelosi behind him. So
0: uh, he's got the Gettys behind him. He's got all kinds of other people behind him. But oh well,
1: <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to hijack the conversation again. <laughs> no, it's all <laughs> good. Get political. But... Well, where where can our listeners find you, at, Will?
2: Uh, I don't have any Facebooks anymore. So I got a Instagram wil dot Lushin, Um, is my my hashtag there? Um, that's pretty much the only place they can find me. Uh, follow the Grindstone Athletics page because I post more on there than I post on my own um, Instagram. But that's about it. I'm not big into the social media world yet. I just started um, kind of putting everything together, trying to build my own brand. Oh yeah, that,
0: that's tough for sure. That's social media is a whole whole other beast for for bad for good or good or
1: bad. It's something yeah. I definitely struggle yeah. with, but.
2: I was, I've been advised so many times that
1: I got to start doing it if I want. Especially just so, starting in one place. It's a necessary
2: evil. Yes, sir. Yeah. So,
1: So before we wrap up, we we like to ask all our guests, um, you know, our podcast is about the helping people kind of make that decision that are trying to go from zero to one, right? Whatever that is, whether it's to go work out, to lose weight, to start a business, to make their relationship better, whatever that is, right? Mm-hmm. Zero to one. What, if you could, if you could give a piece of advice for anybody out there that, that you think uh, would help that person, that zero to one, what's your, what's your one piece of advice when, if somebody's on the fence about making that decision to move forward, what would your advice be? So
2: I can't steal, I can't take credit for this, but I think I listened to a Joe Rogan podcast where he, he said it perfectly. Um, And I tell my daughters this all the time be the hero in your own story like pretend like you're making a movie or someone's following you around with a bunch of cameras and whether you're already a rock star and we just continue part two of the movie and become a better rock star or you are at the lowest point of your life because everybody loves watching those movies where the hero is like down in the dumps and not able to do like they can't even make it through the day and then they take that first step and they become the hero that everybody wants them to be when they go to that movie so just imagine somebody who somebody's sitting there filming you, and they're and somebody you really care about, your kids, your wife, um, even if it's even if it's an ex-wife, and you want to fucking show them, hey, look where I'm at now. They're gonna watch that movie. You can either motivate the, your kids or your wife by like look 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 where he went, or you can motivate and be like, ha, huh, look where look where you left me, and look where I'm at now to those who 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 you don't. Uh, still, I guess have a, a relationship with, but uh, be the hero of your own movie, and and every decision you have to make, imagine someone's watching that, and they're either cheering for you, but they're like, God damn, how did he fuck that up again? So um, that's that, awesome. That's that. And I once again can't steal it. That Joe Rogan came up with that, and I just thought it was it was gold. So I've been using that
1: ever since. It's outstanding. I
0: like it. Very cool.
1: Hoorah! <laughs> Hoorah.
0: <laughs> cool man well, i think that's a good place to end uh, will it's been an awesome it's been awesome talking to you uh you're a great dude thank you for coming on the show glad we got to know you um i'm sure our listeners will, will really enjoy this one um and then for anyone out there we'll, we will link to uh, your social media on our site uh, so anyone that missed it go to our website nothinggo.com or our instagram and you can find links to uh, to find will and uh, and his gym uh, but uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoyed this one. I know I did. It was awesome. So uh, for Ben, this is Brian and Will uh, signing off for the Nothing Oak podcast. Thanks, everybody, and we will learn. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.